Hi, I'm Brandon Webb, former Navy SEAL and founder of The Crate Club, the number one tactical and survival gear subscription box in America, curated by former Navy SEALs, Army Rangers, and Special Forces professionals. I know being prepared matters, so if you're looking for a great gift, choose Crate Club. Also, from now until the end of the year, for every annual crate plan you buy, we will donate a crate to a U.S. active duty service member. So help us support the military community and give the gift of Crate Club today at CrateClub.com. That's C-R-A-T-E Club.com. If it doesn't work, you're just not using enough. You're listening to Software Radio, special operations military news, and straight talk with the guys in the community. Welcome back to Soft Rep Radio. I'm Brandon Webb, hosting another episode. Wanted to talk about a couple things today about the Colin Kaepernick article I wrote. Um, and I'll go ahead and give you guys a read through of that. Uh, essentially, just my opinion on the whole situation, which came from his recent uh, tryout. So I just, just wanted to share my opinion on that. Also, talk about the other article I wrote about high fashion profiting off the American war machine with camouflage. It's kind of a funny, funny piece I wrote there. And then I wanted to start off with just kind of catching you guys up on, on the state of state of the rep. What's to come this year? Uh, we got some great, great things happening. And anytime I can give you guys an update, glad to do it. Also, personally, I'm out literally right now in a hotel in Los Gatos, which is just south of San Jose. I had a skydiving nighttime injury back in, I think it was 2003, where I just, I was jumping in Yuma, Arizona. We had probably jumped from about 14,000 feet at night, you know, formation jump with chem lights. And then, you know, you take this kind of V formation, everyone turns outbound, tracks out, you pull, and then kind of get under formation under canopy. The problem was, it was like one of those high overcasts, so it was blocking starlight, moonlight, and I just couldn't see the ground. And at a thousand feet, I kind of had a general reference where the the drop zone was, but I just couldn't see the the ground essentially. And turned my base leg to final and dropped my combat load, which was still attached to me, and just pulled fifty percent of my brakes on the risers. Uh, that's what you're supposed to do, and just PLF. But I hit so hard, I thought I broke my right leg. You know, it was one of those things where I just kind of sucked it up to to complete the the training jump, and then you know never went to the to the medic or or what we call corpsman in the navy. And you know, years later, last year, I started having problems with my my right hip, 
it got to the point literally where I, I could barely walk without my leg giving out. Yeah, first, of course, I go to the VA and that, that was a total nightmare. But I ended up paying out of pocket to go to NYU and see a uh, orthopedic surgeon who x-rayed me. She said to uh, not do surgery if I could avoid it. So I ended up going to this specialty rehab clinic. And during the x-ray, she showed me, she came in the room and said, have you ever had any injury to your right leg? And I, I knew exactly what it was when it happened um, with the skydiving accident. And yeah, so I went, I went to rehab. My good friend Kamal, which you guys know, Kamal's been on the show a few times. Kamal told me about this specialty center in San Francisco called Bio Reset, where they're doing this alternative, you know, science-based medicine, but trying to treat, you know, joint pain, knees, backs, necks, uh, spine, hips, ankles, you know, basically joints and other thing, other things, including anti-aging with basically placenta matrix, which is a, a variant of stem cells, among other things. So I, I, I was desperate because I lost my mobility completely. I went to San Francisco, I would say, God, almost a year ago. Maybe it was, yeah, I think it was um, just over a year ago. And got these injections in my hips. And I think they call it hydrosection, but... What they did was they, they also did a full MRI, then they also did an ultrasound on my hip and found that not only did I have an uneven wearing on my socket, I had a cyst. Like it's not like you'd think like a zit that you pop with pus. It was like a knotted up scar tissue cyst that was pressing on my nerve. And so they went in there and injected and they kind of poked holes in this thing and and, and then put this placenta matrix in and it was like 90% better. I, I could actually walk again with, with little pain. I'd, I'd still have to, to kind of stretch in the morning to get around. But anyway, it was, it was life-changing, but extremely expensive. And of course, you know, I got a letter from the doctor, wrote a letter to the VA to try and claim this on, on my service connection disability, which you know, I, I aggressively pursued just because my kids get a lot of the benefits. And they denied me. They said it was was not service connected. So I'm I'm still dealing with that bullshit. But anyway, the most most important thing is I got my my mobility back without having to have have surgery or a hip replacement. Then I just came back now where I'm at today. Literally this morning, I was in for a, a follow on procedure, and God, I've it's been one of the most painful things. This time they went in to the actual hip socket and injected uh, into the bone marrow. It was super gnarly, but probably like the guy, literally one of the guys had to hold me down on the table. <laughs> it hurt so bad. But um, I walked out of there the same day. So I'm just super thankful that we do still have great healthcare in America as much as I, I think that generally the access to healthcare for veterans and general population is, is pretty terrible, which... Um, uh, I think most of us could agree. I am thankful that we have great, great health care, like doctors in the, in this country. It's just unfortunate that you know I had to take my money out of my uh, savings to to pay for this, and it was it was very expensive. But what do you work for? You work for your health, and if you don't have your health, what the hell do you have? So, just grateful that the procedure went well, and hopefully this will get me back to nearly a hundred percent. I'm still, you know, from getting banged up in the SEAL teams. You know, I've 
taken up yoga. I've, I swim rather than run anymore. I'm always laughing. My, my uh, business owner buddies are trying to get me to go do these go rucks and, and Spartan races, which I think are great events, but you know, for the general population, I mean, half, if you, if you're listening now and you're, you served in the military, you're kind of living a, a Spartan race every day. <laughs> so I, I told my friends, yeah, if, if you want to go on a weekend and, and my finance buddy, I was like, if you want to do spreadsheets with me on, on Saturday, I'll, I'll go to your Spartan race. That, that's kind of what it's like for me. So generally business wise, you know, I've told you guys, we made some major changes this year. We put some systems in place, especially on the editorial side, Really thankful for for Nick Kaufman and Stavros. Um, Nick being the editor in chief now, and Stavros, uh, our, our managing editor, just for really putting some systems in place and and really making sure we hire quality writers. Where before we would just take anybody essentially that served in a you know in the military with a pulse and and that could write well. And and look, I, I think history has taught us that there's been some great writers that have also also been drunks, drug addicts, and, and had serious issues. And that, to be honest, we had a, a lot of issues with that. We ended up, a guy that used to write for us, and then we promoted him into a different department, ended up uh, dying this year, which is like tragic. Uh, I won't mention his name, but you guys could probably figure it out. It was just tragic. And so, you know, the, the problem is we we just would hire these guys and then the moment something would pop up, it was just drama and, you know, and then you get rid of them and they go to social media and they're venting and it's just like, no, not good for the community, not good for us, doesn't, not good for morale. So I just want to give Nick credit where credit's due. He's, he's really helped me clean up and professionalize the writing staff. And I always love when people are like oh, trolling me on social media, talking shit about, Oh, this writer said that. That writer said that. I was like, yeah, that that guy's like literally a, a crystal meth addict living in living in his basement or his mom's basement. It's just like, come on, guys. Um, but anyway, the the fact that we got a really solid writing team and we got systems in place. One of the thing I learned going back to business school was how important it is to have systems in place and, and even editorial. Right? We, you know, to be honest, like I'll. I'll I will have to take full responsibility for it, but we did that big story or video that we found on Niger, the Niger ambush that created, you know, it's our number one viewed story, but it created outrage. People signed a petition to get us to pull it down. Yeah, that was just published by one of one of our writers without even like putting it across the editorial review board, which we do have now. And it just got published out there, and it wasn't presented in the in the right way. And so we had to do all this damage control after the fact. It, it just sucked that that happened, and there was nobody to backstop. Which, again, now we've you know Nick and Stavros, we have we have that review process in place for for any article we think is going to be controversial in nature. You know, we it goes through a formal. Uh, editor review process, which, which we can do very quickly. But, you know, of course the Niger thing, I didn't even know about it. I woke up to all this hate mail on social media and then I called up the guys like, what the fuck is going on? And then I found out that this, you know, one of the guys had published the Niger video and, and it was really, you know, to be totally honest, it was just presented very, very poorly. Um, so I can see why people were upset. However, you know, a couple of the the parents did write in and thank us for not pulling it down because they said that 
their son that had got ambushed and killed in the video said people forgot about it. It happened months before we republished the video, which surfaced on the internet. Everyone had already forgotten about it. So at least the the good in that is, you know, it, it did kind of bring it to to the forefront of everyone's mind again that we did have American special ops in in that part of the world. And, and look, once you publish something, unless it's extremely, extremely potentially wrong or we did we just you gotta own it. You can you can redact, you can apologize. There's a lot of things you do, but as a publishing outlet, you you know, we have a lot of integrity and we stand by stuff. And and look, when you're breaking news, sometimes it's not popular. Um I think one of the key changes we made to software up this year was to really focus on the hierarchy, like if we're going to be critical, we're not going to go after individuals. We're going to go after kind of the leadership and 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 really start doing uh, smarter reporting when it comes to defense news. That's basically what it is. And and really look at if we do get critical, like proposing some solutions rather than just kind of like attacking. Which I feel like you know the media today is just all they want to do is just a bunch of attack dogs jumping on pointy fingers uh never presenting any solutions and and i think that as well as being heavily biased um as we can currently see with what's going on with this this kind of trump impeachment and and i'll give you my opinion on that uh at the end of the show as well uh but anyway the the colon cap Kaepernick piece you know i i kind of titled this you know colon Kaepernick and a Navy SEAL walk into a bar. This is what happened next. Uh, I'll kind of read you guys this this story like I did last time, just giving my my opinion along the way, some some highlights. Here it goes. So if if I were to meet Colin in a bar, I'd share the same thoughts with him that I'm about to share with you. Uh, having the guts to stand up for what you believe in, especially when it's unpopular, is commendable. I respect Colin for this, but I think he's gone about it the wrong way. The fact that he thought any NFL owner would take him back is very telling of how out of touch with reality he really is or his situation and how divisive he is as an activist. And he is an activist, right? So let me share my own personal story with you. A friend who plays professional hockey in the NHL shared a story with me about an old kind of junior hockey teammate of his. He was one of the best hockey players in Canada. By all accounts, he was destined to play in the NHL. However, there was just one problem. He didn't get along with anybody, not the players, the coaches. He was naturally gifted, but also extremely arrogant. Uh, He wasn't a team player, and he was hard to coach. No NHL scout wanted to vouch for this guy because of his attitude problem, um, and they didn't want to put their own reputation on the line. And and that's something that comes when you vouch for somebody, you're putting your reputation on the line, and there's reputation risk. So my friend went on to tell me, that this extremely talented former teammate of his is now driving a UPS truck in Canada playing pickup hockey on the weekends. That's a really good story. And I told that story to my own son, who's pretty good at basketball and was kind of getting a chip on his shoulder. And I had to knock, knock him down a bit and say, look, nobody cares how good you are if you're not a good teammate and if you're not coachable. Nobody is successful in life, goes places that doesn't know how to like get along with people. I think we can generally agree with that. And, and I had this conversation with my, my youngest son and, and shared, shared that story I just read now. So the article I wrote goes on to say, Colin had an incredible platform and opportunity to be an activist and unite people behind his cause. 
Instead, he chose to divide and continues to do so. This is the sad part because I believe that in his heart, he meant to do the right thing and raise awareness to an important issue in America, largely, uh, you know, police uh, discrimination against minorities. And it was like, by all accounts, if you look at the data and just take the emotion out of it, you know, whatever situation has a certain ethnic group in a certain part of town, it just is what it is. But the fact that there was this issue of kind of like shoot first, figure it out later was an issue. And I think it's important, important that, that he did bring that up. So I go on to say, in my experience, anyone who's been successful in their chosen profession has been a team player, bringing people together, not dividing them. This was a hard lesson for me personally to grasp and is a reason why I identify with Colin on many fronts. Early on when I left the SEAL community, I was a harsh critic of the NRA leadership, largely um, Wayne LaPierre. And I go on to say, I was a harsh critic of the NRA leadership for the lack of foresight and vision regarding uh, gun control in America. And, and Jesus, I know some of you listening here, just the fact that I said gun control is triggering you. So just chill out. <laughs> um, you know, my main issue is that the guy in charge of one of the largest advocacy groups or the largest in the world uh, could barely find the pointy end of a, of, of a rifle or handgun. That to me was, was very just disturbing. And, and I look at this guy on TV, the way he carries himself and I had an issue with it. And one time I, I was really thinking about getting on the board of directors for the NRA. But I, so, you know, I went after in an article in a social media post and then I just got trashed because I didn't fully vet my position and I, I did not respect the following I had on social media, did not think about the platform I had with SoftRep and, and did not think through what I wrote. And it was a huge lesson for me in really realizing I could get my point across and raise awareness around certain things if I was a bridge builder, not a bridge burner. And so, and it was, it was crazy. I had a yeah, concerted effort by the NRA to kind of trash me for, for a while, a brief moment in time. And then I literally just said, okay, this, is this issue really that important to me right now at this point in time? Probably not. And so I just kind of walked away from it all, but with a huge lesson learned. So I go on to say in the article, I walked away from it as a better person. And now I try and approach these issues with solutions and the mindset of building alliances, not dividing. Uh, do I think we need to modernize our thinking and understanding of firearms in America? Yes, I do. It's time for an intelligent conversation about how to make America a safer place, especially for young kids in school. But to just lash out at certain groups or issues is a mistake and it only serves to further divide. That's one of the biggest issues we face in America today. We really have lost our ability to have a civilized debate with different viewpoints. It's just like you either got to choose one side or the other. And, and that's, that's really a, a tragedy today in America. I go on to write, we're losing our ability to speak candidly and respectfully to each other. We find it easier to light the internet torches and rally the angry mob. This needs to stop. Uh, the hard path is to bring both sides of an important issue together and unite them around a common understanding. Only then can we truly make a difference. The greats like Mandela, Martin Luther King, Harvey Milk all knew the importance of creating alliances to affect lasting change. Even Winston Churchill, who's a favorite 
leader of mine did that in the British government. You know, he was a shaper in the words of Ray Dalio. I'm just finishing his book, uh, Principles. Amazing book, highly recommend it. Uh, again, Ray Dalio, uh, his book on principles, like life principles. So I go on to write. So I understand why no NFL owner would want uh, Kaepernick back. He would bring controversy, divisiveness, and attention to any team he signed with. He had an opportunity to bring people together on an important issue, but he chose to divide instead. The fans are the backbone of the NFL, and I believe that most see him as insulting America by not standing for the flag, which is not what I believe Colin intended. He had a noble cause, but just went about it all wrong. And what team owner would want to see an attendance drop, uh, sales of concession stands drop, or find himself or his team at the center of a bad headline? Nobody, no NFL owner wants that. It's just life is too short to deal with that kind of shit. So I go on to finish. My advice to Kaepernick is if we were to share a beer, would it be to rethink his approach in the future to engage the league and the fans and people in general in a positive dialogue? Because it's a tragedy that one of the most talented quarterbacks in the NFL doesn't see that he has a real opportunity to build a bridge where none currently exists. And if the NFL is behind him, meaning done with him, uh, then when he continues his activism, he should attempt to bring both sides together and build alliances because the future isn't female or any one group. The future is all of us. Ask yourself this question. How would you want history to remember you? Then I go on, I put an author's note. I was inspired to write this piece because of the experience I had speaking about out about the NRA regarding mass shootings at schools and the blowback and hate mail I received after I went about it in a half-baked way. It was only until I started going at the issue in a smarter, more inclusive way that I started winning over people on both sides of the debate. And anyway, just kind of went, went on to, to summarize my thoughts. I enjoyed writing that piece. I think it's important that, again, when we get so certain about certain things and people, and it's important for us in, in general to step back and just analyze it. Remove your emotions from the situation and just look at it. And look, personally, I like the fact that Trump went into the office and kind of upset the apple cart, whatever you want to call it, drain the swamp, partially anyway. I really think that our political system needs to be upset and needs to be fixed. I think term limits for the House and the Senate would go a long way to kind of realigning people's incentives about taking care of America first and what's important rather than just getting elected and constantly like running and making decisions on the next election cycle. Like, I don't think the founding fathers ever intended people to have 30, 40 year careers in politics. I think that's crazy. Our politicians should rep represent a broad uh, demographic of, of different people and, and ideas and, and concerns. And then I guess I could go right into this, this whole Trump impeachment thing. Personally, do I think Trump did anything that was, to, to essentially justify impeachment? Absolutely not. But that's my opinion. Am I a constitutional scholar? Am I a lawmaker? No. But just applying some general common sense, he had just one phone call. And if you really step back and look objectively, the moment he got elected, people were talking impeachment. You know, they're just waiting for any excuse uh, for the Democrats to just impeach him. And so... You know, for him to not kind of realize that and tighten up his own game 
is an issue in itself. But the fact that what they've now impeached him on, I think is just kind of silly. And it it really is, in my personal opinion, an abuse of the Constitution itself. And really, it's, it's being deployed, what I see, as a election 2020 tactic on the Democrats' side because they they really don't have anyone inspiring on their side on the 2020 election. This kind of detracts from Trump. He has to deal with all this stuff. And and the Senate, which is controlled by the Republican Party, I I really, you know, I think it's a a tap-in for Trump to get out of this impeachment. But it's just a huge distraction and, and just a political tactic used by Pelosi and, and the Democrats. And it's and that's the sad thing, right? Come on. Respect the office. And was it really uh, an impeachable offense, in my opinion? Um, and when you really... I, I watched a documentary on the 2020 election. I think it was called Hacked or something like that. And it was incredibly biased uh, towards the left. However, it really did open my eyes up to how big of an impact Cambridge Analytica played in swinging elections and being used as a, an election tool and really did influence uh, the Trump Trump election. Did the Russians, come on, give me a break. This whole Russian thing is just crazy. I'm almost personally insulted as a citizen of America to think that somebody could kind of say the Russians colluded with Trump. It's just like, it's insanity. And the fact that the FBI spied on the president's campaign team, that's a big problem in this country where we're like spying on each other now, like like officially spying. Like I look, politics is is not a clean a clean arena. And for sure people are digging up competitive intelligence on one another. But to use like the FBI to go tap people's phones and spy like an official taxpayer money being devoted to spying against their own citizens, what kind of a fucking state are we living in? This isn't the KGB in the 1980s, and and that that I find also offensive, and I'm surprised no one's outraged over that uh, in itself. But anyway, that's my opinion about about Trump. I, I really feel like Trump is going to be elected again in 2020, and then you know stand by for the counselors to show up to all the offices where people are crying and, and dealing with the psychology of that, which again is is a whole other crazy thing. It just is what it is. Do I wish Trump would act more presidential? Yeah, I do. But he is what he is. At least we know that. And, and he's not afraid to, to be himself, um, whether you're a fan of that self or not. But that's that's kind of my opinion of the, of the Trump thing. Uh, let's see. What do I want to get to? And you guys really got to send in your questions to radio at softrep.com. Radio at softrep.com. I would love to just spend a whole episode answering any question you have about the military the Navy SEAL program. Uh, I know I've avoided, I've largely kind of come out and talked about my issues with the community and and uh, WARCOM, uh, including SOCOM. But uh, look, if you guys ask a, an intelligent, thoughtful question, I'll answer anything. I'm an op- open book. I, I I really do believe in, in transparency. So please send in your questions to radio at softrep.com. Let's see what else we got coming this year. Did a major partnership with iHeartRadio. iHeart owns 90% of the radio stations in the US. We are going to have a big presence, Soft Rep and Cray Club, at the Country Music Festival in Austin this year. Um, so be on the lookout for giveaways. We're going to do like VIP 
uh, ticket packages, giveaways. Uh, we're going to be donating some money to military charities, donating tickets to military families. Uh, so we're excited about this iHeart partnership and the fact that it opens up some amazing opportunity to, opportunities for us to kind of get involved with these big concerts that iHeart does, uh, as well as advertising across the their radio platform. Our partnership with iHeart culminates into the Veterans Day concert in, in Nashville, Tennessee. And again, amazing artists, uh, amazing music venue. Another opportunity for us to bring our soft rep and Cray Club community, which largely is the team room, uh, Nashville, and have an amazing experience. We'll throw an event there, both places ourselves, uh, but also at the venue to have our group there, our community engaging with each other and getting to experience this, uh, these amazing music performances. Really excited about that this year. Also, we are partnering with The Chive to do a, a one-off specialty box for the Crate Club. Essentially, uh, that's coming. I'll, I'll, I'll explain more once we get that up on the site, but the guys at The Chive are, are amazing. They do it. I, I love The Chive because they give, they put their money where their mouth is. They give a ton of money to military charities and they care greatly about the, the military and first responder community, which again, this we haven't done a great job communicating our giving efforts, but we've donated you know hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash and media over the years to charities like the Glenn Doherty Memorial Foundation, the Red Circle Foundation, which I started, and a bunch of other nonprofits. And this year is our, our kind of like year to really push uh, the give back to the military and first responder community. And, and that's why we were excited to partner with the Chive because they have the similar f- philosophy. So uh, look for that uh, coming in 2020. If you've got any questions about anything I talked about, please uh, write in. I have been traveling quite a bit this year. I plan on getting some some guests when I get back into our New York studio or our Puerto Rico studio. For those of you who don't know, um, uh, the company is technically headquartered in Puerto Rico. I, I split my time between Puerto Rico and New York. But we got big things on the horizon in 2020. Kind of got our ass kicked in 2019. Rebuilding, we you know the re, rebirth of SoftRep as a site, the team room, the Crate Club, and really investing in our com- community. I did want to mention the, the also the academy this year is, is pretty extensive. We have, you know, we have the academy in October now. Yeah, we have advanced shooting, urban tactical driving, urban survival. We're doing an airsoft, big airsoft war game, and a Navy SEAL sniper experience. Um, all those things happening at Virginia International Raceway at the, at the uh, Soft Rep Academy 2020. So we're getting close to selling out. So if you're interested in that, it's an amazing experience. We're going to have a big party on Saturday for everybody there. Great training, great camaraderie. So if you're thinking about it, definitely go sign up because those spots are going to go quick. And uh, let's see, the last thing I'll cover is... The article I wrote about fashion, I, look, I, I'm a huge camo guy. I love camo, but uh, like legit authentic camouflage. And I just, walking around New York City, it just finally, I, I don't know, I reached my snapping point seeing the last like, you know, skinny, unhealthy model wearing her camouflage jacket with all these unit patches. And, and I just thought how ironic it is the fashion industry is kind of totally against war, 
um, and probably considers anybody that's in the military, you know, must be a certain way or vote a certain way. There's like a ton of discrimination I've seen in, in certain business sectors like media advertising towards the military. My friend in advertising literally said any veteran resume goes to the bottom of the pile, which I find just shocking and sad. But essentially, you know, and then there's this fashion hypocrisy where these global fashion brands and designers are using camo and this like, essentially like I stood back and looked at it and said, they're just profiting off the war machine. And it's, it's like as silly as getting rid of plastic straws and, and swapping them out for paper straws and then putting this paper straws in the plastic coffee cups. It's just crazy. So when in reality, the, the plastic is the real cause. So I just, I wrote a funny piece for SoftRep about how fashion is kind of like hijacked camouflage and, and are profiting off the, the war machine. If you guys want to go check that out. I've, I've really started to kind of contribute to the site again, which, which I really enjoy writing. It's tough to kind of balance, you know, running a business, hosting the podcast, being a dad, and and you know, you guys are well aware I, I I write a lot of books on the side. But anyway, I'm I'm happy to kind of jump back in and and contribute some interesting pieces to to the soft rep community, and that's it. I would only add my John and I, John Mann and I finished our serial killer on an aircraft carrier novel. We expect to sell that in January. Hope that St. Martin's Press will uh, will pick it up because I love working with those guys over there. Mark Resnick, my editor, and Steve Cohen, the uh, CFO, just great people. Um, they care um, and they care about qual- putting out a quality book. So I'm excited to have that come out as I've already got some interest in uh, feature film uh, licensing for that that bad boy. The other thing I do want to mention too, we're talking to a couple major players about developing military content for a lot of these subscription video on demand that you're seeing now, whether it's Disney Plus, Apple Plus. We're in the talks uh, to develop uh, scripted content, not not just kind of the unscripted or what we what we refer to as like reality television, but actually doing like scripted shows. I'd love to do a show like. The wire, but do it in Afghanistan with the CIA and all the special ops units involved, and how guys are forced to make like really hard decisions, and some some would think having to do bad things, but like good guys put in a position where they had to do bad things, but just like gritty, real heavy shit, you know. Like you start to see some of these movies, like Full Metal Jacket and Platoon after Vietnam to really showcase like some of the fucked up shit that went on over there, which nobody's doing in television right now in the scripted format. So I'm excited like some of the opportunities we're, uh, we're doing there. And, and I'll give a shout out to our new VP of, of marketing, Alda. Uh, Alda's from Iceland and she's just a badass. Um, and she's got a, a ton of relationships because you work in the film industry in Iceland and work with the Bond franchise when they shot in Iceland, Game of Thrones, you name it. So lots of good stuff coming. I do want to, you know, from our family at SoftRep, wish your family a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays. Really appreciate you guys sticking with us throughout the years. Uh, The show and the site wouldn't be what it is today if it wasn't for folks like you that listen in and and support us and through all the ups and downs right we've been around seven years hard to believe 
but I do, you know, from the bottom of my heart, from my family years, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and I look forward to, to having a great year with all of you in, in 2020 out here. You've been listening to Soft Rep Radio. New episodes up every Wednesday and Friday. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Soft Rep Radio.